Adam sitting next to you. <laughs> um, it's nice to be back from um, the mission field. Um, I'll just give you a brief report concerning my trip. Um, I went to Burkina Faso, which is um, in West Africa. It's north of Ghana, if you know Ghana at all. And um, all right, so what do you want me to do? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, engineer. Engineer Michael. Thank you. All right. Yeah, so um, it was a good trip. Um, it's a ministry called Victory International Ministry, which ministries, which has been in Burkina Faso for the last 20 plus years. It's actually a missionary from Ghana who went there. Um, it's a very hot country. Anybody here been to Burkina Faso? Anybody from Burkina? Yeah, it's very hot, isn't it? <laughs> it's, um, it's also French speaking, which was wonderful. Um, so I learned, I learned French. I just learned one sentence in French, which is, let me see if I can remember. It's a uh, yeah, I can't remember. But it was something along the lines of, I don't understand. No comprehend pa. That's it. Something like that. Le comprehend pa. Something like that. I don't. So, as you can tell, my French is pretty useless. Um, but it was a great trip. Um, so, I went there. On the, I went to Ghana on the, Wednesday, on the Thursday. Took a plane on Friday. Got there. And then my host came to me. Took me to where I was staying had a meal together. Saturday, went to the Bible school, did some teaching there. And then Sunday was the main event, which was a graduation of about 2,000 people. And um, I spoke as a key, keynote speaker. It was really inspiring to see this Bible school that this man and his wife has pioneered in this place, which is a predominantly Muslim country. And um, there's quite a lot of poverty as well. And over the last 20 years, he has trained over 2,000 church leaders. So one in 10 of the pastors in Burkina Faso has gone through his Bible school, which is phenomenal. And, um, and then the Monday we rested. Tuesday met with his leaders. Wednesday came back to, went back to Ghana. Then spent some time with the leaders in Ghana. Thursday, Friday. Saturday had a, a day off, which was nice. And Michael and Michelle hosted me, so that was really nice. And Sunday, ministered in a ch two places, a church in the morning and somewhere else. One of a kind of a pioneer work we're doing in another area. And then went on the plane and came back Monday morning. So it was an easy trip. It wasn't too intense. And uh, yeah, but it's nice to be back. Hallelujah. All right, let's continue our teaching series that we've been doing concerning um, the Holy Spirit, specifically concerning spiritual gifts. And uh, I want to title this teaching, what are you bringing to church? What are you bringing to church? So ask your neighbor, what are you bringing to church? <laughs> All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, he says, how is it, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, I wonder if you can reduce the treble a bit, has a teaching has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Also, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, this is the verse that we've been teaching from really. God's heart is that we are to be knowledgeable when it comes to the things of the Spirit, when it comes to the operation of the Holy Spirit, we're supposed to be knowledgeable. We're supposed to have understanding. Because the more we understand how the Spirit of God works and what he does and how he operates and how we are supposed to relate to him, the easier it becomes for us as believers to live our Christian life. 
And one of the things I, want to, I feel impressed to share with you is the responsibility that you and I as believers have whenever we gather together. Now this verse in 1 Corinthians 12, 26 really highlights the potential that we as believers have to build each other up, to build each other up. There's a lot of movement that's going on. If we can kind of cut the movement down to a minimum, really would appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, it highlights the kind of potential that we as believers have when we gather together. He says, when you come together, each of you should be able to contribute something. That means that potentially you and I are carrying something. We are carrying something or God has given to us something that we can be a blessing with, that we as God's people can strengthen the body of Christ with. Um, one of the things I find is that many times when we gather together and the way church has been um, kind of conditioned, how we've been conditioned, is we come together as spectators, as spectators who come to receive. And the mindset tends to be, today I was really blessed, today I really received something. Uh, when I was growing up in church, after about four years growing up in the Lord, after I gave my heart to Christ, after four years of being a member of my old church, I realized that on the Sundays, I wasn't really getting that much. Now, don't get me wrong. The pastor was awesome. My pastor was an awesome man of God, very wise man, a very experienced man. And so it wasn't a, a, a negative on his ministry or even on the ministry of our church. But I just realized that after being in the church consistently for four years, and I was one of those who never missed a service. I never missed a service throughout my time in my old church except for one Sunday morning. And then I went in the evening because somebody followed me. A Boston followed me. Why weren't you in church this morning? So by the, by the evening I was in church. I never missed a service. So I, 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 I realized that after four years plus, I wasn't getting that much from the word. And um, obviously, if, if a pastor is ministering to the same group over a period of time, there would tend to be seasons where you will have to teach what you've already taught. So during that period of time, when I was a member of that church, up until nine years when I then pioneered a church, I would have heard some of the messages about two or three times in those years. Now again, it's not because my pastor didn't have any revelation to teach. It's not like that. It's just that when you're building up God's people, you need to remind them periodically over and over the same thing. Amen. Now, here's my point. After the four years or so, when I noticed this, by the grace of God, I had an awareness that when I, whenever I came to church, I had to look for somebody to help them. I had to be intentional about that. I had to, um, whenever I came to service, there were two things I did. Through the preaching, I'll be listening to what God had to say to me, not necessarily learn something new, but just what God wanted to say to me at that point. And so as the pastor, whoever was teaching, sometimes the teaching was amazing, sometimes the teaching was pretty flat, but whoever it was, I would be tuned in to listen to what God wanted me to hear. And during that 30 minutes, 40 minutes, one hour of teaching, something will be said that I knew was for me. So I would always leave church with something. But in terms of like learning fresh revelation or stuff like that, that really didn't happen. I got a lot of that in my personal life. The reason why I'm saying that is this. If you have a mindset of, I want to be blessed, I want to be blessed, I want to be blessed, you will often leave services disappointed because you only have a mindset of receiving. And by the way, that's not how we as God's people are wired. We are wired not only to receive, but more importantly, to give and to bless others. Like our Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So when I would come to church, I'll look for people. So I'll be like in the service, after service, I'll, I'll just stand around and I'll look for people. And I'll look for those who nobody was talking to. 
And then I'll go to them and I'll introduce myself and I'll talk to them and I'll be a blessing and I'll encourage them and so forth. And actually through that, my cell group really grew and would always win the cell of the month. We used to have the cell of the month thing. Because I'll just invite people, to, those people I spoke to, I'll invite them afterwards. What are you doing on a Tuesday evening? I'll ask them and I'll say, has anybody invited you to a, a cell group? And they'll say no. And I'll say, well, come to mine. And then if anybody ask you to go to a cell group, just tell them that Joseph has already asked you to come to his. <laughs> so that kind of did, did it. So, but I grew through that. I, my ministry actually really developed as a result of that mindset where I will look for people to bless them. I'll look for people to minister to them. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, on the onset, as you're part of this church, don't come to church looking for people to come to you. You know, if you do that, God is very, very wise. He will make sure nobody comes to you. When I was growing up in church, no, it's true. When I was growing up in church, for, again, for the first like three, four years, nobody hardly, people spoke to me here and there, but they always used to complain to one of my friends, why is your friend so miserable? You know, I, I have this angry looking face. Why is your friend, he's always miserable. Nobody would talk to me, people would avoid me. So I didn't care, I didn't come to church for them anyway. Honestly, that was my mindset. But then after about four years, I said, right, enough of this. Now let me look for people to be a blessing to. I just find it strange when I hear people who've been in church for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, say something like this. The church is full of cliques. Nobody talks to anybody. They just talk to themselves. I mean, you've been in church for how long and, and you're saying that? It's because you're one of the problems. Say to your neighbor, he's talking to somebody, not me. Because in church, people will naturally gravitate to people that they feel comfortable with. It's human nature, beloved. It's how we are. And there's no point in saying that the church has no love because you are one of them who, who also don't have any love. We are all in it together. Anyway, I don't want to stray from what I'm trying to teach. So, when we gather together, it's a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity. I want to give you a few reasons why it is important to bring something when we gather together. Now, again, remember this. We're not just talking about when we gather on a Sunday, whether it's a house fellowship, whether it's a few believers who gather together. Anytime God's people gather together to fellowship, there is a tremendous potential to be a blessing. Remember our Lord says in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So anytime we gather together to, because of Jesus, he promises to be in our midst. Now, why do we need to bring something to, be, uh, to, um, to, to church or when we gather together? Why is that important? A few things. I want to, before I go into that, I want you to look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. You see, your faith it's a journey. It's a journey. And there are all kinds of twists and turns to that journey. And if you are not careful, when you're going through difficult times, you will make decisions that really undermine what you want out of life. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, he says this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let's consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So think of the person sitting next to you. Think of the persons that you know in church. Think of people that you haven't seen for a while. And look for ways in which you can encourage their love and encourage good works in them. And look at 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more the day as you see, so much more as you see the day approaching. Now look at that. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. There's nothing new under the sun. Believers are used to not going to church. From the first century, even in the writer of Hebrews day to today, there are many believers who decide they don't want to come 
every week or regularly. Hallelujah. That disobedience streak has been there from the beginning. But he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Say to, say to your neighbor, don't do what others are doing. <laughs> don't do it. Like I said, over the nine-year period before we pioneered um, our first church, I missed one service. I missed one service a Sunday morning. We had Sunday, mo- Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. We had Tuesday cell group, and I was in the choir, so that was Wednesday. By the way, I was single, so, you know, I was single. Wednesday choir. Thursday was a free day, and then Friday we had what was called youth service, which was not youth at all. It was everybody in the evening. And then Saturday, most of the time we're free, but once in a while you had what they called youth rallies or conferences. So that was like every three weeks or so. And uh, I would drag myself, I would go to those things as well. But what I realized was that by doing that, it really helped me in my faith. It helped me to grow. And also, it helped those that I had influence over in the church to also grow. So over time, I became stronger without necessarily trying to be strong because I was exposing myself more and more to uh, an atmosphere that fed my spirit. I'm sharing this with you within the context of how you are a blessing to others. If you want to grow and be strong and be healthy in your faith, you can't live the bare minimum with God and expect to excel. Now, of course, I couldn't do that now with all my responsibilities, even if I wasn't a pastor. I couldn't be doing... Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Tuesday evening, Wednesday choir practice, Friday youth. I couldn't do that and live and survive. I would explode. You understand? So I'm not suggesting that you should be in church every day. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is it's an attitude. An attitude that recognizes what is most important and pressing in your life when it comes to your spiritual journey. That you're not trying to get by with the bare minimum but that you are serious about giving all that you can for God. Can you say amen? Amen. So bringing something to church is important for several reasons. Number one, because it's in obedience to the word of God. And by the way, these guidelines you can use for anything you want to do for God. So if if you want to do anything for God, these are some of the guidelines you should have in place while you do it. One, it's in obedience to the word of God. Like he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, that we should, when we come together, each of us should have something to bring. Secondly, it is because we want to glorify the name of our Lord Jesus or we want to really honor Jesus because he's the one that we're seeking to serve. That's why we will want to bring something to church. So Colossians 3, 23 and 24, he says this, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you're doing, do it as unto the Lord. Whether it's in your workplace or whether it's in church. Whether it's preaching or teaching or whether it's leading a home group or a discipleship group. Whether it's uh, as 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 a choir director or whether it's as a homemaker. Whatever you're doing, do it heartily from your heart as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. If you do anything as unto the Lord, it has an eternal value. You will be rewarded for it. If you do it as unto men, because Pastor Joe will be here, so therefore I'm going to come to church because Pastor Joe is going to be, I know Pastor Joe is back from mission, so I'm coming to church. But when pastor's not around, me too, who's preaching actually? Who's, who's going to be? Who's going to be preaching whilst Pastor Joe's not around? Because then, 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 then the reason why you're here is because of a man who happened to be called Pastor Joe. And that has no eternal value. Now, you might, you might be blessed whenever that character is around, but your spiritual development will have no eternal significance because it was all about you. It wasn't about how you glorify and honor the Lord. Third reason why you bring something, because you want to be a blessing to other people. 
Philippians 2, 4 says this, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. If there is one thing that as a child of God you must cultivate, is to learn to look out for the interests of others. He says you should look out not only for your own interests, so it doesn't mean you shouldn't look out for your interests, but look out for the interests of others. Look out for those who can't help you, those who can't bless you, those who can't give to you. If you do that, you will be blessed in the process. The fourth point is this. The reason why you bring something to church is to edify or to build up the church, the body of Christ, to build us up. In 1 Corinthians 14, 12, he says this, and he's talking about the administration of spiritual gifts. He said, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, since you desire earnestly spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. In other words, if you really want to move in the power, the anointing of the Spirit of God, if you really want to be used mightily and effectively for God, the reason, the motivation must be so that God's people are built up. Not so that you look good or so that you're anointed, but so that God's people are built up. Many, many, many times when I go to minister, I'll say to the Holy Spirit, please help me to be a blessing to them. But I also add, and please don't make me make a fool of myself. Help me not to make a fool of myself. Yeah, so it's kind of this mutual, I want to help them out, but I don't want to be a, make a fool of myself. So I'll say that, that to him, Lord, help me to be a blessing to them. And please don't make me, help me not to make a fool of myself because it's very easy for me to make a fool of myself. In fact, normally it's the other way around. I say, Lord, help me not to make a fool of myself and also help me to be a blessing to people. Sometimes it depends what mode I'm in. The point is, you should seek to excel in building others up. Say to your neighbor, build others up. Building others up. And then the fifth point is this. Why do you bring something to church? I, I kind of um, touched on it earlier. To develop spiritually. You as an individual. To develop spiritually. Luke 6, 38. We normally use this verse for money, but actually it's a principle. Give and it will be, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. It's a principle about giving. The way you give is the way God will give back to you. The way you bless people, the attitude you have to help others is what you're going to get back, is what you're investing back into your, into your life. And then look at what the Lord says in Acts chapter 10, verse 35. Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders and he says this, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Beloved, if you can hear my heart and if you can hear what God's word is saying, the more you wire yourself to help others, the more you are helping yourself, the more you will develop, the more you wire yourself to learn to minister to people, the more you will become empowered to soar in the things of the Spirit, the more you'll be able to walk in continual victory over the things that plague you. As somebody that had so many bondages in his life growing up in the Lord, so many areas of bondage that I felt I, I could never be free. I remember used to think to myself, I remember saying to myself, when will I ever be free of this, that, and the other? And then one day, realizing that those things were no longer in my life. But one of the things I noticed that helped me tremendously was forcing myself to help people. Forcing myself to help people when I didn't feel like doing it, when I didn't want to do it. How many of you at times you don't want to help anybody? It's normal. It's, you see, at times we have this mindset, because I don't feel it, 
I won't do it. Brother, if you do that, your belly is going to be bigger than mine. If you do that, you are not going to be able to do anything. Because most of the time, we don't feel like doing the right thing. It's like deciding to go to the gym. Hallelujah. Only when you feel like it. Day one, you feel like it. But day three, what is this? You've had enough. It's like anything. You, you, and spiritual things are the same dynamic. The Lord will speak to you. He'll convict you about something. That's why often I'll say to people, what did the Lord tell you at the beginning? Because he ain't going to change his mind. Write it down. Because after the Lord tells you something, one of the reasons why he often tells us something is because in the future we'll be tempted to change our mind. So he will tell us so that we remember during the times of adversity. That's why, I'm just, I'm just adding this. I'm not sending any message to anybody. I'm just adding this. That's why when you decide to get married, you must hear from God. Because otherwise, you will change your mind. Sometimes during the honeymoon. I'm not talking about Micah and um, Andrea. Let's move on. So what can you bring to church? Quickly. What can you bring to church? I'm just going by the countdown here. Not by your countdown, Angela. By the countdown there. First thing is, you, yeah, it's there. there. First thing is, so check, check what's over there. Because you're showing me something strange. First thing is the scriptures, the word of God. You know, Psalm 119 verse 140. It says 140. I'm not sure it's 140. It says, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of God's word will bring light. So one of the things you bring to church to bless someone is God's word. Sometimes you can ask the Holy Spirit to give you a verse for somebody. To give you a verse for somebody. We're going to do an exercise like that later on. Actually, yeah, count me down because this timing is wrong. Sorry. <clears throat> Secondly, he says, a psalm. Look at that verse. He says, when you come together, 1226, when you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let everything be done for edification. So, what is this psalm thing about? One of the things our culture here has, lacks is spontaneity when it comes to singing. In our family dinners, I try to once in a while introduce singing, and they just all start laughing. I say, come on, let's, let's hold hands, let's pray. I want to sing a song. And they're like, really, Dad? And so I start singing. I have this song that I like to sing. It seems to only come up by the family dinners. It, it goes something like this. Let us adore. You better not be laughing. The ever-living God. By this time, by the time I reach, and render praise. <laughs> Led by their mother. No, but, you know, the culture of song and singing is really great for spirituality. And um, it might feel a bit cringy at first, but it's really, you should try it. <laughs> the Bible says we should sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's like looking at my brother Frank and saying, Bless the Lord, oh my soul. No, you don't sing, you just take it. <laughs> But, but on a more serious note, like when we gather like this, obviously sometimes, some people have songs that they sing. You can't just walk up here and say, now nah, it's my turn. You know, you can't do that because there's order. But actually when we gather like in a fellowship context, you know, like a, a group context where you can bring a song and that can be a real blessing. Sometimes you're in a group context and you want to sing, but you feel um, shy. Who, 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 who feels that way at times? You just feel like, you know, hey, only two people in this church. Let the psalmist anointing rest upon us in Jesus' name. But look at Ephesians 5.19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What else can we bring? A teaching. Uh, this normally should be prepared. So look at Colossians 3.16. Let the word of 
Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Again, one of the things you can do, apart from bringing a song, when it says bring a psalm, you can actually literally bring one of the psalms. There's 150 of them. You can actually bring one of them. You can also bring like a song that somebody else has written that you can read out and be a blessing to somebody. What else can you bring? He said you bring a tongue. Now, why does he mention tongues? Because, one, there was a controversy in the church. But also, tongues is mentioned because it tends to release the other gifts. Tongues tend to release the other gifts. So you bring a spiritual gift. Now, this is interesting. What the Holy Spirit is saying through the Apostle Paul is, I literally can come into a meeting with a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit will anoint me to bless to people. Tongues is a trigger gift. When we do teachings on it, we'll go into it more. Um, and in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 27 and 28, he says this, If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, some people read this and they say, you see, when we come together, nobody should speak in tongues. Like we say, we're speaking in tongues, hallelujah, son, da, da, da. we shouldn't do that. We should just be quiet if there's no interpreter. But read what he says carefully. He says, this has to do with bringing a message in tongues. You, if you're going to bring a message in tongues, you give out the tongue. If there's no interpreter for the first one, don't bring a second one. Keep quiet. Now, keep silent. Literally, keep quiet. In other words, bring it down and let him speak. So still speak to himself and to God, but no longer to the church. Because what was happening in Corinth was people would just come, let's say come and stand here like I'm doing, and just start going, Shando Boriba, Sobre Gediria, Soranda Rababai, Shobro Sabarababai, Yabaru Shenda Rabahaya. And then somebody else will come and say, Anduria Barua Shabas, Koros Teke Kari Katosh. Even that, what I've just demonstrated, looks bizarre. Because, and that's what they were doing. And I'll show you more if we have time today. That was how they were administrating it. There was no interpretation to it. And so Paul was addressing the question of how you administrate the gift of tongues. What else do you bring? He says, a revelation. Now, this may be in the form of any insight of the Holy Spirit. The word revelation here has to do with something that is unveiled, something that has been hidden, that is brought forth. And look at, look at this, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 14, 29 to 33, it says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Now, what he was encouraging was this. Two things. One, there shouldn't be an abundance of prophecy. So that the whole service is dominated by prophetic utterance after prophetic utterance. Secondly, one person should not hog the show when it comes to prophecy. So if I am prophesying, one, two, after the third time, it's enough. But if I start prophesying, and then after I finish my first prophetic utterance, Frankie there has a word, I should also give way to him so that he can also bring what God has laid in his heart, and then the next person brings it. So that everybody can have a turn to be able to build up the church. And then another thing he says, you bring a, an interpretation. Now, interpretation is always in response to the gift of tongues. And the interpretation, again, many times people think it's translation. So they think if I say, Shanda Rabahanda, I should then interpret. I'll give you an example. If I say, which is a, a, a native language I have, I speak in, I can. I should then literally translate it, which would say, God, we 
honor you. But actually, I might say something like, and then in my heart, there's so many other things like, God, I really want to tell you how much I love you and I appreciate you and I bless you. So interpretation is never translation. It is bringing out what the thing means or the implications of what has been uttered. And sometimes an interpretation will be a vision, a prophecy, a prayer, a psalm or a song, a revelation, or even a teaching. First Corinthians 14, 6 says it like this. But now, brethren, now look here. If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? In other words, two things I want you to notice. If I come to you speaking in tongues, so if I come to you and I say, Suri di aga, that's useless. That's not going to benefit you unless after I do that, I bring the response of it, whether it's a prophecy, a teaching, an interpretation, or whatever. Now notice, if I come to you doing that. So again, the point here, this verse highlights how we can misuse speaking in tongues. He's not necessarily talking about addressing God in worship or praying to God with our spirit when we gather together. It is specifically speaking to other people in tongues. I'll give it to you in the Amplified Version for you to see. It says it like this. But if I do not know the force and significance of the speech or language, I shall seem to be a foreigner to the one who speaks to me. And the speaker addresses me, addresses me, will seem, the speaker who addresses me will seem to be a foreigner. Now, I want this verse that I've just read, I beg your pardon, I've, 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 um, I've read it in the Amplified, which is something complete, comes out completely different in the meaning. Look at it in verse 6 again. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, etc.? Now, look at what he says in the Amplified. Um, uh, no, I don't have any Amplified. I beg your pardon. I'm really, really sorry. I've quoted the wrong verse. But what I want to highlight to you is this point, is that when you are speaking to somebody in tongues... Unless you interpret it, that person is not going to be blessed. You have to interpret it. And the interpretation can either be a prophecy. Or even if I speak to the church in tongues, I'm not going to bless the church unless I give interpretation. But if I'm speaking to God in tongues, that's different. It's like I'm praying to God and you hear me praying to God and then you say, why are you saying that to God? It's none of your business. Because I'm praying to God. But if I'm praying to God and I want you to know what I'm praying, then I have to pray the understanding also. So the context is important because people use some of these scriptures and say that we're not supposed to speak out in tongues when we gather in worship unless we interpret it. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying we're not supposed to speak to people in tongues unless we interpret the tongue. Can you say amen? All right, quickly. So how do we receive something? How do we receive something from the Lord? The same kind of steps that we've given consistently. Number one, ask the Holy Spirit to give you something. So before you come to church, ask the Holy Spirit to give you something. Or when we are worshiping together, ask the Holy Spirit to give you something. Give me something to be a blessing to someone. Secondly, how do we receive from the Lord? Be prayerful. So when you ask him for something, if, if you know how to pray in tongues, that's great. If you don't, just have a worshipful attitude and say, Jesus, I just bless you. I love you. Help me to be a blessing to somebody. Set your heart on him and have a worshipful and prayerful attitude. Third point, write down what you receive. Writing down or, or, or typing out what you receive is very important because one, it will help you to remain consistent with what you receive. But secondly, it can be a reference for future. Sometimes I receive something and I actually forget what I received. And so the person will say to me, do you remember you said ABC? And I'll say, no, I don't remember. Or you said something, but what was it? Sometimes I'll give a prophecy and people say, what was it? And I can't remember. So I'll say, the only way I'll be able to give you the prophecy again is if I plug back to the Holy Spirit. And when I do, then I get a prophecy again and I give it. But actually, I can't even remember what I said. 
So at times, I've given the same prophecy to people over periods of time, and they said, you've said that before. And I said, really? I don't remember. But every time I come to prophesy to them, this is the word I get in my spirit. But when you write it down, you don't have to have that kind of problem. So write it down. And then fourth point, pray into what you receive. Pray into it. At times, you will receive something, and your immediate reaction is to give it to that person. But sometimes, it's better to pray first. Because when you pray into it, you get insight. Now, at times, I receive words for people, and genuinely, I don't understand the implications of the word. I think it it has one implication, and it has something completely different. I'll never forget this experience. Many years ago, I went to preach in a certain church. And as I was preaching, I walked up to the pastor's wife in front of the whole church, and I said, God is telling you, stand by your husband. It doesn't matter what happens, stand by your husband. Sometimes you may not agree, but stand by your husband. Now, I thought, honestly, in my mind, I thought the Spirit was impressing on me to encourage this woman to stand by her husband concerning ministry things. So I'm carrying on preaching, and I noticed in my spirit a strong reaction. So I knew I'd given the word that was right, but people were not happy. So I've got a strong reaction. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what have I done? Then I get the impression again. So I go back to the person in front of everyone, and I do the same thing again, except I do it stronger this time. Now, the preaching I was preaching was about storms and about the different storms that come in our life. So I, I did this thing. And my, my mind is going, what have you done? Da, 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 because there's this kind of funny atmosphere. And anyway, I, I, I left them and I, and I went home. Hallelujah. <laughs> Three weeks later, a storm hit the church. It devastated the church. It devastated the church so badly that that woman left her husband, left the pastor. It became a big disgrace. But the pastor was strengthened by the prophecy. And the other church members were strengthened by the prophecy. Because the prophecy was so direct and so strong that it could not be denied that God had spoken. Now, here's the point. Did I know that was going to happen? No, I didn't. So at times, when I give people a word, I don't know what the word actually means. I don't even know the implications. Honestly, at times in my mind, I think it's one thing, but it's something completely different. Why? Because the scripture says we know in part and we prophesy in part. So pray into it. And then fifth point, ask questions about what you're receiving. Lord, what is this? Ask questions. And even sometimes it's good to ask the person after you've given them the word, what does this mean to you? Now, sometimes the person might say, It doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I don't even receive this word. Other times, the person maybe even might say, no, this is a real blessing to me. I remember many years ago, we were on the mission field with a team. And this very seasoned prophet gave one of our team members a word. And the word went something like this. You know, you are a teacher, and you're you're doing exams, and God says... Stick with it. Don't give up teaching. So this person was confused. It's like, I'm not a teacher, and I'm not doing any exams. What is this guy talking about? So they asked me, and I said, listen, sometimes prophets, when they receive words, they've gone into the future, and they've seen it. So just make a note of this word and put it on the shelf. Years later, we all forgot about this prophecy. This person had decided to change career and become a teacher and was doing a teaching course. And as they were coming to the end of the course, they wanted to give up. And then they remembered the prophecy because they had written it down. And that helped them to fulfill the course. See, so sometimes prophetic words, especially when it's from prophets, may have resonance to your future that you may not know now. But... It doesn't mean you act on it. You just put it there and trust God. Can you say amen? And sometimes God will give you a word for someone and they will have no witness. Or they will tell you there's no witness. I mean, I've had many of that. Where I've had words and I've spoken to the person and the person have flatly denied. It's like, nah, sorry. Don't agree. Don't believe you. Don't receive. 
only to find out they were blagging it. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? They were lying. They were lying. Or at the time of the word coming to them, they couldn't remember. And then later on, it was perfect. So when you, when you receive a word, ask questions. And then just give it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. It's okay. But sometimes it may look like it's wrong, but it's not wrong. And then finally, make a note of any triggers you receive alongside the word. So sometimes you receive a word, and as you receive it, you get maybe sensations, a sense of um, anointing, or especially when it comes to healing and stuff, um, you tend to get other um, tokens of the power of God. Like for myself, I'll get certain triggers that tells me somebody's left leg is broken or somebody is having a, this kind of problem. I have these things that the Spirit gives to me for me to know what he's trying to tell me. Now, as you learn to give yourself to the Lord, you become more and more familiar with how he speaks to you. But I want to conclude with this. What are you bringing to church? You can bless somebody. So, we're going to do a little exercise. Is that all right? Wow, your enthusiasm is overwhelming. We're still going to do an exercise. Now, I've been talking to the Lord about this, so I'm the only one who knows what's really going on, but you won't know. So if you're a guest with us, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. And even if you're not a guest, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. But what I want you to do is I want you to, where you are, if you can just stand right now, if you can just stand, and I want you to join hands in a circle with whoever you're, at, you're with. If, if you don't want to do it, just say, I don't want to do it. Um, and then you don't have to join us. But I want, if you're doing it, I want to encourage you to do it, please. It's going to be a real blessing to you. We're going to demonstrate how easy it is to hear from God and to give a word to someone. All right, some of your groups are a bit too big. So five in a group, five, six, no more. Three is too small. Come on, five, six, no more. Five, six, no more. There are only th four people here. There's only three people here. So come on. Yeah, yeah. All right, wonderful. So here's what you're going to do. The Holy Spirit is going to give you a word for somebody. You don't know who it is. I know who it is. All right? And you are going to make a note of that word. And then I'm going to, I'm going to tell you who that word is for. All right, so you don't know who it is. Don't worry. Don't worry, about, don't worry about how this all sounds. Don't worry at all. Say to your neighbor, I'm not worried. All right. How I want you to do things, I want you to just um, begin to just bless the Lord. As you join hands, I want you to begin to pray and bless the Lord. Um, maybe we can have this song. We're going to sing it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. If we can put it up. Oh my soul, worship his holy name. You know, some musicians will be great. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Focus on him again. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. I worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul. I Worship your holy name. If we can have the words, the sun comes up. Ooh. The sun comes up. It's a new day. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before. Let me be singing when the 
as you join that. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I I want you to focus your heart on the Lord. Just worship Him. Those of you online, we want to just set our spirits towards Him. So, the things that we shared different things you can bring to church to be a blessing to someone it can be a scripture it can be a psalm that includes a song it can be a revelation something that the Holy Spirit shows you it can be a tongue it can be interpretation but I want you to be very specific today I want you to ask God to give you a scripture something in the Bible for somebody and as I say that, maybe a Bible character comes to mind. Maybe a verse comes to mind. Maybe a story comes to mind. I want you to focus your heart on that. And once you get that, I want you to just stop holding that person's hand and write it down. It's very important, those people's hands. So just ask the Holy Spirit to give you something in the Bible for somebody. And then I want you to write it down. The only thing I will tell you is, it's not you. You're not receiving a word for yourself at this point. Those of you online, you can also do this. Please remain in your circle. Remain in your circle, please. So your circle is this, right? This is your circle. Maybe I should be in this circle. No, I'll be cheating because I will know who it's for. So your circle is this, right? So yeah so as you are as you're waiting on the Lord let him give you something for someone so just write it down if you haven't received anything or you think you haven't received anything just raise your hands right now so that I can see who you are wonderful as you raise your hands right now, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you something for somebody. Ask him right now. Just ask him. Open your heart, your mouth and say, Lord, give me something in the Bible for somebody. And then what I want you to do now, whatever came to your heart when you asked that question, just write it down now. Whatever came to your heart, your mind, just write it down. Anything in the Bible that came to your heart or mind, just write it down. It doesn't matter how obscure, just write it down. I want to show you how simple it is for the Holy Spirit to speak to us in very simple ways. If you still have not had anything, could you, could you come? Could you raise your hand so I can see who you are? Right, so I want you to come here. I want you to come. 
Lord. So I'm going to give you a word, right? I'm going to bless you with a word. All right, now, here's how we're going to do it. So remember, when we finish, you're going to come to me, all right? And I'm going to give you a word. So go back to your group. You're the only one, you are the one that I have this word for. Okay, you're the, you're the other one. You're another one. You don't have, you didn't have any Bible, anything in the Bible. Yeah? Oh, so there's more of you now, is there? What's going on? Okay, fine. All right, great. So, okay, so there's four of you. Is it four of you now? All right, then, no, you stay in that group. All right, go back to your groups and um, don't worry, I'll, I'll do something with you. Oh, there's five of you. Oh, no, is it? Okay, fine. I'll go back to your groups. So there's four of you. I'll, I'll come back to you. All right, fine. So in your groups now, here's what I want you to do. You see that what you've received, that whatever you've received, I want you to ask the Lord to tell you what he's saying to that person through that. You don't know who the person is. I want you to ask him, all right? And then I want you to make a note of what comes to your heart. Now, if nothing comes to your heart, that's cool. Okay, so you're going to give your word to the person on your right. The person on your right is who that word is for. The person on your right. So just take in turns now, share amongst yourselves. Share amongst yourself. Sorry, come back, come back to me. Yeah, what you have is, is actually, I want to show you something, come here. Once you share with them, I want you to now pray with them. I want you to pray with them and bless them.
right. Well, we don't have time. But if we have time, we'll do another exercise. But we don't have time. So I want you to, I want to ask you, how many of you received anything from the Lord for somebody? Can you wave if you received anything from the Lord for somebody? And uh, how many of you received something from somebody and it blessed you? You received something and it blessed you. Well, God bless your life. Thank you. All right. You may take your seats. Angela, you can come. All right. Whilst Angela is making her way to the front. Actually, we're going to change the order of service. Can we all take our seats? Thank you, worship team. If uh, we'll see and um, Ola can make their way here, please. We'll see. We'll see. Brown and Ola. Nicholas. Nicholas, not Ola. Nicholas. Oh dear. Wrong brother. Come and stand here. All right. Before we bring our service to a conclusion, you can face me. Face me. Face me. Over there. Before we bring our service to a conclusion, um, 